0: What is the story behind your name? All of us were given names by our parents. Do you know the story behind your name? Raise your hand if you know the story behind your name. My name, of course, is Howard. Um, my father had a favorite uncle named Howard, and so I'm now named Howard. Uh, I looked it up to find out what's the origin of Howard. What does it mean exactly? And Howard actually, uh, it's an Anglo-Scandinavian mean, name that means you herder." So, uh, yeah, many years ago, there was a guy herding some sheep, and they called him Howard. Not very exciting, is that? Uh, unfortunately for me, the most famous Howard uh, today is uh, Howard Hughes, which was a, a billionaire. He was very eccentric, very weird. If you've seen the movie Aviator, you can see that he was OCD. He used to pick everything up with Kleenex. Very weird and strange man. Not the name that I would have chosen for myself. Now... I will admit that one of the benefits of having a name like Howard is that, well, when I was in school, at my high school of 2,000 people, Midland Lee, or, or at my college of Trinity University, 2,500 people, whenever I would hear the name Howard on campus, I knew they were talking to me. <laughs> I was the only Howard at both my high school and my college. Yeah, Howard is not a name I would have chosen for myself, uh, but, it, but it has some benefits. And you know, when we were picking our kids' names, my wife's name is Sarah, which means princess. Now, that's a great name, Sarah princess and she's a princess for sure Uh, we decided to name our children after biblical names so we uh, of course we have hannah elizabeth and john and a few months ago we were explaining this to our kids and kind of going over how they got their names and why we named them what they did And, and my youngest son john who's six years old tried to put it all together and he said okay so so mom's name is sarah and sarah was the wife of abraham i go right john wife of abraham and uh, Hannah was the mother of the prophet Samuel. Right, John. Hannah's the prof- mother of prophet Samuel. Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. Right, John. And John the Baptist was the prophet who pointed people to Jesus. Right, John, that's right. And he says, so tell me, Dad, where's Howard in the Bible? <laughs> I just shook my head and said, Howard didn't make it in the Bible. John. <laughs> However, Nancy Turner recently corrected me. She told me that, uh, the story about this young kindergarten class and how they were uh, talking about God and a little girl raised her hand and he said, uh, what, does God have any other names other than God? What's, what's God's name? And, and the teacher was going to answer that question but this little boy, Billy, raised his hand quickly and he goes, oh, Billy, you know the answer? He goes, yeah, I know, I know God's name. His name is Howard. The teacher said, how could that be? He says, we pray it every, every time we pray. We say, our Father who art in heaven, Howard, be your name. <laughs> I wish that were true. That's not true. Howard's not a biblical name. It's hallowed be thy name, not Howard be your name. Howard's not a name I would have chosen for myself, but, but, but does not really matter? I mean, what's in a name exactly? Well, in the Bible, whenever God names someone, it has purpose and meaning. If you'll remember in Genesis chapter 17, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means high father. Abraham means father of a multitude. Because God's plan for Abraham is that he would be the father of the Jewish nation, of the people of God. And we still sing today as little children about our father. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm one of them, and so are you. So as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke this Advent season, have you ever wondered why God told Zechariah to name his son John, John the Baptist? What is the purpose of the meaning of John's name? And what does it mean for you and me today? To find out, I would encourage you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one, beginning at verse 57. It may be found on page 1089. Luke chapter one, beginning at verse 57. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy name, of his holy word. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your servant, Luke, who by your Holy Spirit put pen to paper, so that we might have your written word today. We thank you, Lord, for the way that your word speaks to us. We pray that by your spirit, you might open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear and open our hearts that we might be transformed at the reading and preaching of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 57. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, He shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately, Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. Now, since when has naming a child been a community event, right? I mean, why is it the community's is concerned what they named their baby boy? Shouldn't the mother be able to call her son John if she wants to call him John? Why are they weighing in on this decision? Reminds me when we had our first uh, we were pregnant, Sarah was pregnant with our first child, uh, Hannah. I would not carrying the baby, but uh, Sarah was. You know, I got this great advice from a, an old pastor friend of mine. He told me that whenever there, his wife would be pregnant, they would actually wait until the baby was born to tell anyone what the name would be. Because sometimes in a church, people will weigh in and give opinions that they really don't want to hear. They'd even say, I don't like that name. And, and that would just really upset you. So we waited until Hannah was born. We held her. We said, Your name is Hannah Ruth Griffin. We put her on the birth certificate so it'll never change. And we told everybody and nobody gave us any negative comments because they knew it was permanent. You can't, you can't change it now. But it's interesting here in our text this morning, both Elizabeth and Zechariah have waited until John is going to be circumcised, circumcised before they name him John. Now we know from Genesis chapter 17 that circumcision was supposed to be done on the eighth day And it was the sign of God's covenant people. And so when someone was circumcised, the baby boy was going to be circumcised, people would often come to celebrate because well, that meant that this child is now going to be a part of the covenant community of faith and we're going to help raise this child in the faith. It's very similar to what we do today when we baptize a baby. And we baptize a baby and and we we point to the provenient grace of God that God loves us before we ever love Him. And the parents make a commitment that they're going to raise this child in the faith. And then we, as the congregation, agree together that we will help this family raise this child in the faith. So that one day, with their own lips, they might profess that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. And we do this because, well, Jesus invites children to come to him. And in the Gospel of Luke, we read in Luke chapter, one, or Luke chapter 18, verse 16 to 17, people try to bring infants to, to Jesus for a blessing. And, and the disciples try to turn him away. But Jesus says, no. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter. Now, I don't know about you, but as a Presbyterian minister, I'm very grateful that Jesus has decided that baptism is going to be a sign of the covenant community of faith, not circumcision. I would not want to do a circumcision. I don't think uh, <laughs> that would be easy for me to do. But, I, but back then, that was what people did. And so they, people come to celebrate the circumcision of this baby boy, and they're they're wanting to know what the name is. And so, you know, Elizabeth shares his name's going to be John. But the neighbors and the family and the friends, they don't like the name John, and and so they take him to Zachariah. And if you remember from what we read a couple of weeks ago, Zachariah has been mute ever since he encountered the angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel told him that 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 his wife Elizabeth, even though she is now old and barren, she's going to give birth to a son. And And Zechariah kind of questions the message from the angel Gabriel. And so uh, to make proof of his promise, the angel Gabriel mutes John. He says, you will not be able to speak because you did not believe. And so Zechariah has been unable to speak or to weigh in on this discussion. But they bring a tablet to Zechariah and say, well, you're the father. It's your job. What do you say the name will be? And John writes very clearly. His name is John. Period. End of sentence. End of discussion. Zachariah makes this very clear and absolute decision that the name is going to be John because Zachariah knows that God has told him to name this miraculous boy John. Now, why does God want Zechariah and Elizabeth to name their son John? And why don't their friends and neighbors like the name John? I love the name John. What's wrong with the name John? Well, if we read, Back in verse 61, we see that the neighbors say this. And they said to her, Elizabeth, none of your relatives is called by this name. The proper thing to do in the first century was to give a baby the family name, usually the name of the father. He would be Zechariah Jr., right? Or to name him some other family member name. I imagine what was going on there is that selfishly, there were a few family members who were hoping that they would name him after him. I'm sure Uncle Aaron was there saying, come on, Aaron's a good name. Or maybe there was Uncle Abijah saying, oh, come on, Abijah, that's a good name, good priestly name. I call, him, call him Abijah or Aaron. Those are good family names. But instead they said, no, his name is John. Why John? No one in the family is named John. Why does God want Zechariah and Elizabeth to name their son John? After all, the angel Gabriel, if you'll remember, comes to Zechariah while he is in the temple and appears to him and tells him that he's going to give birth to a son, and his son is going to come, he's going to be a prophet. In the, in the spirit of Elijah, he will come and speak to God's people. Elijah, that would have been a great name. After all, if they had named the baby boy Elijah, everybody would have known this boy is going to be a prophet. He's going to be a fulfillment of well, of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, the second to last verse in the Old Testament, where God says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. John is coming in the spirit of Elijah. Why not call him Elijah? That would have got everyone's attention. He's a prophet. Give him a prophet's name. Why John? It's actually interesting to me that uh, there are, there's no one in the Zacharias family or in Elizabeth's priestly family named John. Because if you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that, well, Jehoanon, Jehoanon is the Hebrew name for John, actually does appear in the book of Nehemiah. When they're rebuilding the city of Jerusalem after being, living in exile in Babylon, the people come back and there's a priest who helps lead this rebuilding effort named Jehonan or John. It's interesting to me that Elizabeth and Zechariah both come from priestly families and yet no one in their family is named John. Elizabeth can trace her heritage all the way back to Aaron, the brother of Moses, the original priest, right? And yet no one in her family is named John. And Zechariah can trace his family back to Al- Abijah, the great high priest, and yet no one in his family is named John. For some reason, John has lost favor among priestly families. No one in the priestly tradition and priestly families are calling their, name, their sons name John anymore, even though there was a great high priest named John in Nehemiah. Why has the name John fallen out of favor among the priestly families of the first century? Imagine that John has fallen out of favor among the priestly families because of what it means. John means Yahweh has been gracious. Or as we say in English today, the Lord has been gracious. But in first century Palestine, as the priestly families look around at their situation, it was hard for them to see how the Lord has been gracious. After all, the people of Israel living under Roman rule. They're subjects to a Roman emperor. It's true they can worship God in the temple, but only under the watchful eye of Rome. Ultimately, they now have to answer to a, a Roman emperor who is pagan, who is actually encouraging others to worship him as if he was God. No, for them it did not, it was not abundantly clear that the Lord has been gracious. They were living in hard times. The Jewish nation was being pressed, and their faith was being pressed with it. The priestly families, so the first century probably wondered if God had been gracious or they'd forgotten how God had been gracious to them. You know, we can make the same mistake if we're not careful. I don't know about you, but during the Christmas season, I find I get really busy. I've got places to go and things to do. gifts to buy, and, and I always have this little bit of anxiety as if I'm going to disappoint somebody. I'm not going to make it to this event, or I'm not going to get the right gift for this person. And, and this anxiety about disappointing people can actually become a little bit of a depression. And for some of us this year, this Christmas is going to be hard because that loved one won't be there this year. This last week, I, I wrote letters to every family member in our church who lost a loved one uh, over, the, uh, over this last year. I had to sign a lot of letters. Yes, it's hard to celebrate Christmas and the holidays when that special loved one is no longer at the table. Their absence will be felt. And in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the sadness, it can be hard to remember that the Lord has been gracious. Yes, I believe the reason that God told Zachariah and Elizabeth to name their son John is because God wants to remind everyone through this child, John, The Lord has been gracious. Through this child, John, God plans to to speak a mighty word to the people of God. Specifically, if we continue reading the Gospel of Luke, and if we get to Luke chapter three, you'll see that, that John's message was the message of repentance. He said, repent, turn from your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John came as the one to prepare the way for us, to prepare the way for the Messiah, to remind us of our sin and our need for God's salvation our need for God's grace. Yes, John the Baptist came ultimately to help us see that the Lord has been gracious. God has been so generous to us for he's given us the greatest gift the world has ever known. Let's read in John 3.16. Let's all read it together. For God so loved the world world, that he gave gave his his only son that whoever whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The next time we find ourselves becoming stressed, worried, troubled, depressed, let us remember that our God has been gracious. The Lord has been gracious to us as the name of John states and as the life of John the Baptist helped reveal. The Lord has been gracious to us because he gave us his great son who is greater than John the Baptist, who's come to take away the sins of the world Yes, God demonstrates, as we read in Romans 5, verse 8, God demonstrates, God shows his love for all of us Then, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of Christ's crucifixion and now his resurrection, we can find comfort in knowing that while our loved one may not be with us this Christmas season, our loved one is with him. There at the heavenly banquet table celebrating and worshiping God together. Yes, during this Christmas season, There may be some stress. There may even be some hurt and pain and depression. But we can find comfort that because of what Jesus has done for us, because of this great gift that God has given to us and his son who is without sin, who paid the price for our sins with his death on the cross, as Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death on our behalf. We can find comfort in knowing that our loved one is now with him. For as Jesus says in the gospel of John chapter 14, in my father's house are many rooms and I go to prepare a place for each one of you. He's gone to prepare a place for each one of us who will call upon his name. And so while our loved one may not be with us this Christmas season, we can find comfort in knowing that our loved one is now with him. And Jesus will be with us for he is Emmanuel, God with us. Why name the boy John? Because John came to remind all of us that the Lord has been gracious. God has been good to us. And so in gratitude for God's amazing grace, let us do all that we can to be an instrument of God's grace. Let us help point other people to God's grace. Let's invite people to come and join us in the celebration this Christmas Eve at four o'clock and eight o'clock and 11. Join us on Christmas Day. Join us on New Year's Day. Join us in the celebration of God's amazing grace would save a wretch like all of us thanks be to god for his amazing grace the lord has been gracious let's pray gracious and loving god we thank you that you're a god who has been so gracious to us we see that in the name of john we're reminded of your grace a man who came and spoke a clear word to all of us that we need to repent that we need to turn from our sins and turn towards you who helped remind us of our need for a savior that we needed someone to come and to save us, to live in perfect obedience to you and then to die as the perfect sacrifice for our sins on a cross. Oh God, we thank you for Jesus and that in him we find forgiveness, in him we find grace and in him we find a new life. Lord, help us to be an instrument of your grace this Christmas season. Help us to be bold in our invitation, inviting others to join us in the celebration that our God has been gracious. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your son who is the Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.